Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect, so that God's name and His teaching will not be blasphemed. Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm sure you will know that in the history of the American church, these are two of the most abused verses ever. An entire system of slavery existed that was justified by ministers of the gospel on the basis of these two verses. They would be used to justify the ownership of people and the abuse of people and the dehumanization of people and then used to tell slaves in that situation, you need to just be happy with your lot because your master's a Christian. You can't rebel against your master. And they were wrong. That is not what these verses are about. That's not what they're for. That's not what they were written for or who they were written to. And so that needs to be said very, very first because I recognize I am a white man up here preaching to a mixed group of people about the Bible's take on slavery. And I need to own what my ancestors have done with these verses and what has been done in our country with these verses, and the ways that they have been twisted and warped and abused to abuse people. Because, quite honestly, in our day and age, I think these things have some, these verses have some very universal application for every single one of us in a way that you, you might not read at first glance. You see, we live in a world that loves, we love to hold on to our rights. That this is, we are Americans. And so we treasure our rights, and we hold them close to us, and we own them, and we want them, and we dare not let anybody step on our rights or take our rights away. And yet Christians ought to be people who are marked out as ones who voluntarily give up their rights for the sake of others. That's one of the markers of being a Christ follower ought to be that there are things I could grasp, there are things I could do, there are ways of being free in the world that I could live into that I choose not to for the glory of Jesus and the good of my society. And I think that's really what these verses are about. That's really what Paul is getting at here, what he's instructing the pastor Timothy to teach his people. So early on in the Christian church, the gospel of Jesus was particularly attractive to women, to Gentiles, and to slaves, to the lowest castes of society. Because the gospel of Jesus came in and said, it doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter what your station in life is. It doesn't matter what your outward circumstances are. God loves and honors you. And God has freedom for you that was won through Jesus Christ. And if you are a person in this time and place who is shackled, if you're a person who is living under the thumb of someone else, if you're a person 
in this time and place who's living under the slavery of poverty, that message hits hard. It hits home. It calls you and gives you a freedom that you have never experienced before. And so the gospel of Jesus was most influential in its early days among the least in society because it preached there's a freedom you've never experienced before. There's a freedom on offer and a life on offer for you that you've never, ever known before. And so people would grasp onto it. People would hold on to it. And that's honestly why there have to be so many instructions to various family members and household servants and various kinds of workers in the New Testament because these people come they're not, the, they're not the most religious Jewish people. They're not the most educated people. They're not the people who were always faithful in synagogue or in temple or going to the festivals in Jude- Jerusalem. And so they haven't been the most faithful Jews. They've, they may have been very faithful pagans worshiping other gods. So they don't have a foundation to build on. And so, so much of the New Testament is about giving instructions on how to live for Jesus because these people just don't have any context. They just don't have any clue. They don't know how to live for Jesus. And then you get this message of freedom that comes in and a lot of these slaves who have received the gospel, these household slaves, people who live in a household and serve the family or serve the master or they live kind of in a compound, and they may have their own home in this compound, but they work for a master enslaved, producing things for them to sell or for them to use. These slaves hear the message of the gospel of freedom, and then they begin to rebel against their masters because they say, God has set me free. They take this message extremely literally, and they say, God has set me free, therefore I ought to be free, and they no longer cooperate with their masters. And so Paul here is saying to these slaves who have become rebellious, to these household servants, to these workers, I need you to let them know, don't rebel. You have a freedom in Christ, and honestly, you should live in that freedom. But I'm asking you to voluntarily not rebel for the sake of Jesus. Now, let me make it clear. The New Testament is all about freedom. It's, their freedom is written from page to page. Listen to these verses. Listen to some of this stuff that the New Testament has, says about freedom. Paul, the apostle, the very same guy who's writing to Timothy here, in 1 Corinthians 7.21, he says, Were you called while a slave? That is, did you become a follower of Jesus while you were a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. So Paul's not saying live in slavery because that's where God has you and he wants you there. He's saying if you can get free, get free. But if you can't, live within your station. In Galatians 3.28, Paul says, There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's saying, look, Christ has set you free from this condition. Your condition in life makes no difference within the body of Christ. We are all equal brothers and sisters. And so you don't get to hold that against anybody. Galatians 5.1 then, Paul says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't again submit to a yoke 
of slavery. And in this case, he's talking about a yoke of slavery, of false teaching that said you had to perform this list of rules to be honored by God or to be loved by God. In that case, he's not actually talking about the the physical circumstance, the, the community circumstance of slavery. He's talking about the slavery of living under a law that God didn't give or living under a religious system that God didn't give for you, that he didn't endorse for you. So, and then you read the book of Philemon. Philemon addresses this directly. The Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome, and he met this guy named Onesimus there. And Onesimus was a slave working for this rich guy named Philemon. And so Paul leads Onesimus to become a believer in Jesus. Onesimus was probably in jail with Paul because he was a runaway slave. So here's Onesimus working for a Christian guy named Philemon, and here's the exact situation that I'm talking about. Onesimus hears the gospel of Jesus, hears you're free, runs away from Philemon, ends up in jail with Paul. Paul leads him fully to Christ and is sending him back now to Philemon because that's legally what he's got to do. And according to Paul's own virtues, that's what he's got to do. And so he's sending Onesimus back, but he writes this letter to Philemon, the master. And that's what we have in the Bible. And this letter says to Philemon, hey, Onesimus is a brother in Christ. I want you to treat him as such. In fact, I wish that he were no longer your slave, that you would treat him as a full brother in Christ. But I can't command you that. So I'm telling you, treat him like a brother. I won't command you to free him. But in whatever circumstance, I want you to treat him like a brother because that's what he is. He is your brother, no longer your property. And so the book of Philemon makes it abundantly clear that this whole economic system around slavery is not God's intention. It is not what God wants. Even the system that existed then, which was radically different from the chattel slavery we experienced here in the United States. Radically different. And yet still, it was a system of slavery that existed that Paul makes clear is opposed to the values of the kingdom of God. It was never meant to be. And this is why we can look at the Bible and say, though Paul says operate within the structures of the world that exists, those structures are inherently unjust. They don't belong, but it's part of living within a sinful world. And so though the Bible and though the New Testament speaks so much of freedom, the freedom that is in Christ, the freedom that God wishes for everyone who's enslaved in any way, spiritually, emotionally, physically, it also recognizes that we live within a social cultural context, that we all live in a time and place and in a sinful world in which we must operate. And that's where Paul's instruction here comes in. Though the kingdom of God's values are eternal and bedrock and unchanging, the way that those values get played out changes with the society in which we live. The way that they get applied is different within the societies in which we live because we live in a sinful world. And it's not up to the powers outside of the church to tell us how to apply those values. It's up to us within the church 
to determine what are the eternal principles and values of Scripture? What are the eternal principles and values of God's kingdom? And how do we live those out in the society in which we live? And so Paul gives these instructions to Timothy to say, hey, you've got slaves within your congregation. They have the freedom to come to church. They have the freedom to go to market. They're not owned in the same way that American slavery owned people. And yet still they're enslaved. And so Paul says, all those who are under the yoke should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect. Not disrespecting their masters, not rebelling them. And this one, this first instruction is specifically for non-believing masters. If you're enslaved to a non-believing master, treat them with respect. Show them care. Serve them well. And then he goes on to believing masters, because if you're a slave who's received the gospel of Jesus and your master is a believer and now you know, hey, we're brothers, the temptation to treat this master with, the respect that, with less than the respect they're due because they're a brother is even higher. And so Paul's saying, treat your believing master with great honor and respect. Now, elsewhere, he'll give Elsewhere, he will give instructions to believing masters, just like he did to Philemon, as I mentioned before. But what Paul is saying here is though this system is unjust, though this system is not what God intends and not what God wants, you need to operate within it in a way that honors Christ and honors the system that exists because social disorder will bring a bad reputation upon Jesus. And that, for him, right at this moment, is what it's about. <coughs> it's, about op- <coughs> Excuse me. it's about operating within the unjust system that exists for the glory of Jesus so that his name is not drawn through the mud by social rebellion. Don't create all these scenes. Don't put up these fights, you will do more to honor Jesus by showing respect and care even within your unjust system than you will by standing up and demanding your freedom that Jesus has given you and rebelling. And that's the word for us. What Paul is instructing Timothy to do is tell these folks who are living within slavery, I want you to willingly of your own accord, show honor and respect to your masters in order to maintain the social order so that you can be a better witness for Jesus because His glory is what matters most. You can't lead your master to Christ if you're rebelling against them, if you're fighting against them. Now this has to be qualified by saying there are unjust situations in which It is right and good to rebel. It is right and good to say, no, I will not take this. It is right and good to stand up to abuse. It is right and good to stand up to dehumanization. It is right and good to stand up and say, no, I will not be treated as less than human. I am a human being made in the image of God and you will treat me thus. That is right and good. And I don't think that kind of abuse is the situation Paul is talking about here. It becomes clear throughout Scripture 
that when we find ourselves in places of oppression and abuse, it is right to stand up and prophetically say, no, this is wrong. I will not sit under this. I will fight against it. And it is right and good for brothers and sisters in the Lord to stand up with those who are oppressed and who are enduring abuse and who are being dehumanized and say, no, 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 that will not stand. Our God will not tolerate that. We are opposed to that completely. But within this situation, Paul is saying, look, as long if you're, when you're being treated like a human being, I want you to lay down your right to your freedom for the glory of Jesus, to maintain order, to maintain dignity, to maintain the name of Christ. And I want you to show respect because of Christ. I want you to conduct yourself in such a a countercultural, counterintuitive way that the world looks at you and goes, why would you do that? Why would you lay down your right that way? Why would you lay down your power? Why would you give up the good things that you could get? And you say, it's for Jesus. It's to show love to you. It's to show honor and respect. And it's for the name of Jesus. So that you can hear the good news of the freedom that Jesus has to give. Because here's the fact. Masters who don't know Christ are more enslaved than their slaves. Masters who don't know Jesus are more enslaved than the people that they employ. People who don't know Jesus are far more enslaved than these and Paul is saying to them, I want you to lay down your rights for the sake of them so that they can know the goodness of Jesus. So they can know the freedom that he has to give. Because the irony of being free in Christ is that we're also slaves to him. We are free in Jesus. And our freedom means that we are slaves to Christ. I got this tattoo <laughs> a while ago. I wanted this one as a, as a reminder. That my, my, my tattoos are both reminders for me. Okay? Um, they're reminders for me, and they're good conversation starters because they're not in English, and so everybody asks what language those things are, and it begins a whole conversation. My one reminder on the left arm is that God loves us no matter what. It was put there during the darkest season of my life. And this one I got just... As a reminder, because I'm tempted to sin, I'm tempted, like anybody else, to fall short of who Jesus is, and I wanted to know when I look at my arm that I'm a slave of Christ. And so that's what it says. It says, doulos Christu, which is slave of Christ. Paul himself calls himself a slave of Christ over and over and over again. Same word that's used here in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We are free in Jesus. We are free in Christ. But our freedom means that we are at Christ's service. We are here to serve him. We are here to obey him. We are here to give him our everything. And we are here to live for Christ's glory more than anything else. Because there will be many times in our lives, there will be so many times in our lives that our outward circumstances do not match the inward reality of freedom in Christ. 
There will be so many times in our lives that all of the stuff happening around us and the circumstances of our lives don't reflect the inner reality of the life and freedom that Jesus has given us. And in those times, our mission is to live for the glory of Jesus above everything else. To live in such a way that honors Him, even if it means dis... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even if it means laying down some things, even if it means uh, <coughs> giving up some of our advantages, disadvantaging ourselves, there's the word. Living for Jesus will mean disadvantaging ourselves. It'll mean laying down some rights. It'll mean laying down some good things. It'll mean giving up some of our ambitions for His glory. And we recognize that knowing Christ and making Him known is more valuable than anything else I could gain in the world. And so it's, it's a happy sacrifice that I make. It's a happy sacrifice to lay down my rights and to lay down my ambition if it means that Jesus would be glorified in here and out there. That's our number one driver. So that the world will know the freedom that Christ brings. Because the reality of Scripture, the, the reality behind the veil of our physical world is that every single one of us is enslaved. Every single person on this planet is enslaved to our desires, to our sin, to our needs, to our wants, to our ambition, to self-centeredness or to Christ. There's no other option. Not a single person on this earth is entirely a free individual. There are forces working on us all the time, shaping us. The question is whether we will be shaped by Christ and give ourselves into the freeing servanthood of Jesus whether we'll continue to live into the slavery of our own sin. Which will it be? I will tell you this moment that being a doulos Christu, being a servant, a slave of Jesus, is the most joyful, freeing life you can have. And it doesn't hold a candle. A life of sin, a life of, of self-determination, a life of pursuing my own desires and, and my own way in the world and, and, and trying to make it on my own cannot hold a flickering flame to the glory that awaits us as servants of Christ, living for His glory, laying down ourselves for Him because that's what He's done for us. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. I'm going I'm to finish here. and I'm just going to read these words. And I want them to wash over you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through these scriptures and inform how you live. Inform the commitments you make from here on out. Because we can't do better than to live according to this example. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, 
did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he himself, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, be glorified in our lives today. Give us, Lord, the strength to say no, the strength to lay down our desires and our sin and our right to self-determination and to lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, we belong to you. King Jesus, we want to be your servants. King Jesus, we want to glorify you above everything else. And that regardless of what the external circumstances look like, I rely on the inward reality of the freedom and the life that Jesus has given me and the power that the Holy Spirit is working within me now. And I know that my home and my life rest eternally and securely in the hand of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and not in the circumstances of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for calling us for claiming us, for freeing us, for equipping us. And it's in your name we pray. And by your example, we live. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org. 